You're listening to the Tigger Podcast from IR Magazine, a roundup of this week's leading stories and industry comment from the world of investor relations. Here's your host, Jeff Cassette. Hi, everyone. Five years ago, the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, the TCFD, presented the world with a brand new way to identify, assess, and report on climate-related financial information. Its novelty arose from the fact that, rather than simply considering what companies were doing to nature, the TCFD takes the perspective of what nature is doing to companies. An important nuance, and investors liked it. Companies? Not so much. The TCFD recommendations were voluntary, and while many larger firms did get on the bandwagon, market forces alone weren't enough to push most to take the plunge. Which explains why, today, more and more jurisdictions around the world are gearing up to enshrine TCFD-aligned reporting in law. And the pace of regulatory change promises to catch heretofore complacent companies by surprise. The groundswells happened quite quickly around this. So we've got TCFD, then TCFD, and then ISSB coming, right? So we've got this international sustainability reporting standards. You know, even the SEC in in the US is looking at adopting TCFD, which is quite remarkable because of the way that, you know, the American system changes, let's say. (laughs) Stephen Butler is Director of Investor Engagement and ESG Disclosure at UK-based strategic communications agency Luminous. Among G20 countries, the UK is perhaps farthest along in the rollout of mandatory TCFD reporting. What lessons have UK companies for others preparing to report against TCFD for the first time? On this Ticker Podcast, Stephen Butler on why companies struggle with TCFD implementation and some tips on how to make it easier. But first, here's your IR News Update. The UK's Institute of Directors says it's time for a voluntary code of conduct to guide corporate directors. But a survey shows 58% of its members want even tighter mandatory rules. The debate on the right way to oversee boards of directors comes in the wake of a string of governance scandals at high-profile UK enterprises. And continuing with the mandatory theme, a group of U.S. academics, which includes former SEC commissioners and a former general counsel at the regulator, is calling for mandatory reporting on human capital. In a petition to the regulator, the group argues that while there's been a, quote, explosion of firms that generate value primarily due to so-called intangible assets— U.S. accounting principles provide virtually no information on company labor. North America's IR community welcomes another change at the top this month with the appointment of Adam Borgatti as the new chair of Ceres National Board of Directors. Borgatti is the senior vice president of corporate development and IR at the infrastructure company Econ Group. The Siri announcement followed the official appointment of Matt Bruch as the new president and CEO of NERI, south of the border, earlier this month. And finally, 
The Basel Committee published a detailed checklist for banks to assess how climate change affects all aspects of their business. That includes pay and capital. International banks will be expected to examine whether they are quantifying risks from climate change properly. TCFD isn't your granddad's disclosure framework. For Stephen Butler, it's not even entirely just about climate risk disclosures. Instead, it's a total phase change that requires a brand new understanding of the relationship between climate and business strategy. And he says, it's an opportunity to completely reset that strategy for a sustainable and profitable future. Here's part of our conversation. ESG, sustainability, corporate, whatever we want to call it, has evolved. I think one of the massive challenges we've had for some time in this space is that, you know, it's often referred to as the alphabet soup, right? We've just always had, we've had these numerous standards. So we've had GRI on one side, integrated reporting on the other. So we've had lots of frameworks, lots by lots used by different businesses, but we haven't had a, a standard approach to looking at certain issues. Um, in the US, for some time, SASB has been a big uh, standard setter, I suppose, or, or on a voluntary basis. And that's that's now crept into international markets, which I think is super useful. Um, but I guess in my mind, when I think about ESG, I think about it from an enterprise value perspective. Um, and I think that... It's amazing, actually, we got to the TCFT framework, I think. <laughs> um, uh, but that kind of global recognition of a framework that's based on decision useful information for the investment community, uh, community that's comparable, essentially, um, is really the point of TCFD. And it's very much an investor tool. It very much is about understanding the impacts of climate change on the business, um, which is which is you know vital because it's the most pressing issue of our day, right? Our time, um, and it's um, it, it's just part of that groundswell movement that, that we've seen around the E and ESG, uh, I, and I guess around that we've got some other big changes. So yes, the UK. Um, you know, has been quite early in adopting this, which is fantastic. So, you know, premium listed December year end, so have essentially been through this process. And it, we, we've seen some interesting results come out of that, a bit of hit and miss. But um, it, actually, m- the groundswell has happened quite quickly around this. So we've got TCFD, then TCFD, and then ISSB coming, right? So we've got this international sustainability reporting standards, Um coming. Uh, some of those are actually built on the TCFD framework, albeit with minor tweaks. You know, even the SEC in, in the US is looking at adopting TCFD, which is quite remarkable because of the way that, you know, the American system changes, let's say, <laughs> quite regularly. That is remarkable. So it's a global standard, but you also mentioned it's fundamentally quantitatively different from what companies are doing now in terms of reporting. Can you explain that a bit? Yeah, I think one of the things that companies have, like companies have reported on sustainability for some time, most companies, most large companies, but they don't or haven't in the past linked it to enterprise value, so the risk to your enterprise value. 
and and the opportunities around enterprise value. And that's what TCFD, I think, does well and differently. It's really looking at it through that financial impact lens. Um, so, you know, it's not it's not just about doing less harm in the world. It's actually about, you know, uh, are you going to be viable? You know, what's what's the challenge around increased operating costs in relation to um, uh, uh, the link to financial statements? You know, products and services, will, will some of them, are there risks to some of your products and services if, if they are higher, higher emitters, I suppose? You know, are there any write-offs or impairments that investors need to be aware of? So it's uh, looking beyond doing good just for good sake. Uh, it's talking specifically to investors about how all that good is good specifically for them. Yeah, I guess in the past, right, with, with normal environmental reporting, it's been very much through the lens of the impact of the business on the environment. So if you look at scope one, two and in the UK, three under SECRA, that's very much the impact of that company on the environment. Um, TCFD is the impact of the environment on the company. Okay. Well, I think, you know, companies would understand how to talk in investor speak, but my understanding is um, until it got essentially mandated, companies weren't really getting on the bandwagon. And I'm wondering why not? Um, you talk to a lot of C-suite people and directors, um, is there, and the need for training on this. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, um, do they grasp the concept that this is something investors care about? And, you know, they certainly grasp the concept. I think we just did a review of how well we, the December year ends had adopted TCFD. So you've got those four pieces to TCFD, right? You've got governance strategy, risk management, metrics, and targets. And then you've got 11 disclosures that sit overall. Um, and there are some areas that companies have intrinsically been able to report around super well, because most companies have, in the UK certainly, but also globally, right, have a clear sense of governance and what governance means at an organizational level. Um, they will have a clear risk ma enterprise risk management framework where this stuff can slot in. In the UK, we've been reporting scope one and two for a long time. You know, um, probably two years ago, we had SECRA, so we started um, looking at scope three, much harder to do, but very, very important to do. Where I think companies have struggled not all companies, but enough of them for it to be clear it's a challenge is around the strategy part. So the risk and opportunities part, um, the modeling sometimes around, you know, two degrees, 1.5, four, you know, four degree increase. Um, and the link to the financial statements. And this has been the biggest um, challenge that I've seen is companies not really quite linking to the financial statements. I mean, it, it's, you know, like everything we say in reporting, it's a journey. Um, and with TCFD, there's some flexibility in the UK because it's on a complier explain basis. But where you have to explain, you have to say when you're comply so you can't, you know, explain forever. Um, that's been the biggest challenge that companies understanding. I mean, I think they understand the link. I think they're concerned around sensitivity at publishing that information um, or that they, 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 they or they need another year of some of the modeling work um, to understand the link better. I think what is also very interesting, though, is that when we work with companies around this and we have a you know, consultancy piece around TCFD specifically, um, we might sit down in a room, we might you know, analyse where a company is, we might uh, do a gap analysis. 
And if a company is doing a CDP response, that information around risk and opportunities and financial impact is part of your CD response if you're a business and you're submitting one. And sometimes that connection's not there. And I don't know if that's because businesses are large, complex and siloed and somebody in sustainability might be doing that CDB response and somebody in you know, the finance department is doing your TCFD or risk department. But quite often this information is there, but it's not making it into the financial statements and reporting. So that would be a major stumbling block that has hindered adoption, just kind of uh, technical stuff. I think so, because really that financial piece is the crux of the TCFD, you know, the, the task force on financial related disclosures. And, and it, that is really what investors want. They want that information. You know, they want to understand um, the short, medium and long term implications. Okay. So companies will come to you and say, okay, we got to do this now. It looks tricky. We want to do it right. Um, what kinds of questions do they have for you? What's a, a typical sort of thing they ask you when they say, how do we get the ball rolling? Um, uh, typical things are, uh, you know, who should we have in the room um, from, from their side, essentially. And it's generally lots of people you need in the room to do TCFD. It's sustainability, it's risk, it's finance, it's COSEC. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a collection of people. Um, they will have basic questions around, well, where should we be putting this disclosure? Um, and uh, again, that can be quite a basic thing, but we've seen companies doing uh, interesting things with the TCFD whether in terms of where they're putting it. So some companies are putting it into a separate report, some are putting it into sustainability reports um, and putting slimmed down versions in the annual report. So I think there's a bit of confusion around that in the UK. It's a listing requirement. It should be in your annual report um, and it's linked to your financial statements. Why would you not put it in your annual report? Um, uh, and then I suppose the biggest questions are around what this risk and opportunities piece means, essentially. Um and particularly the impact on strategy, right? So part of TCFD, you have to talk about it on the impact on your corporate strategy. And I've seen quite a few PRCs get confused and start to talk about it in terms of the impact on their sustainability strategy or their climate strategy. And it's not the same thing um, unless unless they have an integrated approach and a sustainable business strategy. Great. I've not seen much evidence of that. It's a reporting thing, but it's also supposed to help you with your business strategy. This is exactly what it is, right? This is not, uh, quite often you will see companies reporting for reporting sake because it's a regulatory requirement and companies tick the box but miss the point. You know, this is about looking at your business model and strategy uh, through a TCFD lens. And it's really about where necessary pivoting to, to net zero, pivoting to, um, uh, you know, pivoting your organization. Okay. So that brings us to the IR role. Um, speaking specifically to IR people, what sort of agency do they have in all this? What is their role as you see it in, in making all this happen? Yeah, I think super amounts of agency, actually. I've seen, you know, the IR role is super critical. It's very strategic. In the businesses we work with, it's really at the heart of 
uh, the management of a lot of these issues. You know, when I talk to um, companies and, and and talk to, you know, senior IROs within those companies, um, it's, uh, ESG is so high on the agenda now. And it is part of every conversation that they're having with investors. But it's also high on the board agenda. So the board has really caught up with this issue. Um, and so the board attention um, is absolutely focused on this. Um, and I think that's the driving force, right? I think when your board is engaged in these issues, things change very, very quickly. You know, we just did a project with a, a large um, pub group. Um, around looking at, you know, um, two things, looking at their equity story and looking at just the long-term strategy of the business. And in every stakeholder interview that we did, and those were with, you know, investors, they were with um, buy side, they were with broker, financial PR, and uh, people within that organisation, sustainability and ESG came up strongly in every single interview we did as, as you know, one of the top material issues. Um, but... Uh, this is really just the start of this conversation, I think. So, you know, what what have we got in the next few years coming down the line? We have uh, a new European sustainability reporting directive looking at things like double materiality. We have several taxonomies. Um, we have um, uh, the global um, sustainability reporting standards that are coming, ISSB. We have another task force coming, actually, which is going to look at nature-related financial disclosures, and that's going to be built on the TCFD framework. Hmm. So, you know, understanding this now, investing time in getting this right now, will actually make a lot of that reporting easier. And whilst the UK has gone early on this, globally, uh, you know, we are seeing a huge amount of adoption um, around, um, you know, TCFD. We will see those um, global standards as well. Um, and it is now just part and parcel of the day-to-day -day job of an investor relations professional. You know, ESG is baked into that role now. I've even heard of some investor relations teams having sitting within those teams, you know, ESG specialists. Okay. So it looks like all this is gaining fast momentum. Um, from your experience with UK companies, uh, and just to wrap up now, um, do you see, are there any kind of consistent mistakes you see them making when, when, when they set out to do this? I think um, not quite understanding all of the 11 recommendations and getting confused around the strategy, risk and opportunities piece. I think that's a clear one. Um, so if I was advising a company who's doing this themselves, I would absolutely map out all of those recommendations and start a gap analysis against them. And I'm sure they do at the organizational level. But really understanding how it all fits together um, and really understanding, um, you know, the metrics and targets piece beyond simply scope one and two uh, and a bit of scope three. So really thinking about that, that science-based target piece um, uh, within this reporting as well. And I think also just having the right people in the room, you know, we often talk about businesses being siloed. This is a great opportunity to break down silos within your organization. This, you know, takes it takes the coalition from within the organization and that should be sustainability. It should be finance. It should be COSAC. It should be risk. Um, you know, it really is all of those um, people talking to one another. That's your ticker podcast. My thanks to Luminous Investor Engagement and ESG Disclosure Director, Stephen Butler. 
thank you for listening. In Montreal, I'm Jeff Cossette.